In a world where people actually watch the stuff their friends recommend, this is I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. Greetings, lookers. Welcome to another edition of I'll Look at Yours. If you look at mine, I'll be your host, Ben Mitchell. And you can find me on Twitter and most social media with the handle at RedHenMedia1. Look for that Red Hen icon. Today, we'll be discussing Enemy 2013, which is currently streaming on Canopy. It is a feature film, uh, art house suspense movie. And you don't go to the movies, do you? Movies? Yeah, are you a movie guy? In your free time, I mean? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't go out that much. I don't, I don't really like movies. Oh. <laughs> well, you don't have to go out to enjoy a good flick at home. That's true. I'm here today with my distinguished co-hosts who are likely talking behind my back, so let's join their conversation already in progress. Hiya, gang. Hey. Hi. So with us today is the simultaneously credible and incredible, the anomaly, Kat Ramirez. Hey, y'all. Just like I'm always real with my friends and family, I'll always keep it real with y'all, too. As always, grateful to be here. And the provocative one, and who Dundee Award winner, Mr. Devin Schwartz. Hey, the game is on. I believe you. And my good friend, the incendiary, James Pepe. Hey, everyone. Ben, did you fuck my wife? <laughs> I've got that <laughs> clip. How did you know? Cat, <laughs> was it you? Was it you, Kat? <laughs> Devin, did you fuck my wife? <laughs> Jim? You know it wasn't me. <laughs> it probably was. Well, I just need to figure out who's fucking my wife then. <laughs> All these questions and more will be answered today. And uh, the irrepressible gentleman, Jim Scott. Welcome, gentle listeners and friends. You started on that rundown yet? Oh, this is just something I'm taking a break with. Oh, uh, we'll get back to the rundown uh, right now. Okay, great. Hey, you know what? Do you have a rundown that I could take a look at just so I know what type of rundown you're looking for? Just keep it simple. Keeping it simple, that's what yeah. I'm doing. But I am working hard on this one, real hard. You're so. working hard on this? No, not, not too hard, not harder than I should. Right. I mean, why work harder than you should? <laughs> No, I. So our boss Charles Miner uh, is demanding a rundown. Um, so looks like Jim from the office just handed the dossier to Devin, who will now give us the rundown. Yeah. So a couple things. Um, this film uh, a little hard to uh summarize um it's a it's a bit of an odd one there is a an imdb this is written by a, a user on imdb so i cannot speak to its quality 
but it says uh, Adam Bell is a Toronto area history college professor. He is a rather somber man, largely because he is uh, stuck in a routine, which includes a relationship with his live in girlfriend, Mary. While watching a rental movie, he spots an actor in a bit part that looks like him. He becomes obsessed with finding out about this double of his. He learns that the actor's stage name is Daniel St. Clair, whose legal name is Anthony Clair. Clair is a Toronto based actor with only a few on-screen credits and is married to a woman named Helen, who is currently several months pregnant. Adam then becomes obsessed with meeting Claire, who he learns upon first sighting, um, who he learns about first sighting looks that, whoa, this is poorly written. He learns they look exactly the same. Get out the red pen. Uh, <laughs> um, Do this on the fly. Their lives, their lives become intertwined as Claire himself ends up becoming obsessed with Adam, um, but in a different way than Adam is obsessed with Claire. Uh, yeah, I apologize for that, but that, that's basically the gist. It's it's a bit of a, a suspense movie, so there's not a lot you can really say about the plot that isn't, um, you know, filled with spoilers. But uh, yeah. yeah, the basic premise is that it's a doppelganger film. It is about a man finding out he has a, a doppelganger. Uh, some fun facts. Uh, the cast signed a confidentiality agreement that doesn't allow them to speak and or explain the to the press the meaning of spiders in the movie. There's spiders in this? Um, <laughs> I signed that same uh, uh, NDA, so... No, oh, yeah, of course. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's some other things about, like, you know, names that were lifted from, uh, like, the, the, the other two actors that uh, Adam looks up are the two names of the producers of the film um, and uh things like that um but that was the main one that the that the spider like the, no one's allowed to talk about the spiders um, which i found interesting uh this was nominated and won quite a few awards uh mostly um canada-based director and critic guild type smaller awards um the most prestigious of which though at the uh canadian screen awards in 2014 it won Achievement in Cinematography, Achievement in Direction, Achievement in Editing, Achievement in Music, Performance by an Actress in a Supporting Role for Sarah Gaddon. Okay, ring it Ooh, up. I, yeah, so uh, quite a few. Many register rings. Insert noise here. <laughs> yeah, uh, seemed to get a very good reception uh, from the critics as well. Yeah, despite the awards, uh, its initial release is listed... Um, that its initial release was only in a single theater in North America and grossed $16,000. Oh, wow. Um, it then uh, received a wider release into to 120 theaters, still not very many. Um, the total grossed amount internationally is three and about three and a half million. Um, still quite small, but I don't really know how that compares to most indie films. That might be that average. That might explain why it was listed as having come out in 2013 and then... 2015 as well yeah probably when it when it was fully widely released um that makes that's sense. pretty typical of indie films i feel like i think the lighthouse had a similar thing where there was like two years um i could be wrong um yeah that's uh that's the main fun facts i got not a lot on this film it's a it's a sort of a no secret. it'll be more in the discussing of it i think um but first why don't we uh yeah. kick off with uh That's right. It's time for Who Done It, uh, the part of the show where we figure out who submitted this week's submission. Uh, who submitted the submission? That's right. Uh, so why don't we start with some guesses? Um, 
I am going to go with Pepe on this one. Uh, I just, it seems like his type of uh, movie. And um, it felt like he was trying to mess with me as a filmmaker <laughs> by submitting this. So that's who I'm going with. Kat? I am also going to say Pepe. It Obviously, it's not the same as The Lighthouse, but there's too many uh, commonalities between the two that I can see it being a Pepe choice. So, yeah. Well said. Uh, yeah, I was going to say almost the exact same thing. Uh, Pepe is my guess, and because it is independent, obviously, it is a very slow, deliberate, quiet film um, with a lot of suspense. It, it does actually remind me quite a bit of The Lighthouse, so yeah, it feels like a Pepe. It's got that art house thing, but uh, maybe I'm throwing it off myself. What do you think, Pepe? Well, I'm going to say I'm going to say Ben again because I guess Ben for the lighthouse for many of the same reasons that I would guess this one for Ben. <laughs> um, yeah, small film. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff to chew on for people who are interested in making and writing movies here. So. Yeah, it's self-reflexive for the, when the Hollywood turns the lens on itself type of thing, which writers just cannot uh, lay off of, apparently. They, they love it, yeah. Oh, yeah, we just can't, we can't not do it. One of the characters in my movie is uh, a filmmaker. <laughs> and uh, gentleman Jim Scott, uh, who, who done it? Uh, definitely Pepe. It had some philosophy tones. They even mentioned, um, how do you pronounce it, Pepe? Is it Hegel? Hegel? Hegel, yeah. Yep, you knew the pronunciation. It's got to be you. Uh, I'm just going to go <laughs> ahead and say it's, I'm going to say detective. it's you, Pepe. Nice, nice detective work. Uh, well, this seems to have your fingerprints all over it, but, uh, will the, uh, notorious, uh, perpetrator please stand up and be counted? Yeah, it was me. Jesus. I thought it was nobody for a second. I thought the show submitted it for a second. I was getting kind of creeped out. I can't believe I got picked first again. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what are the odds? That's crazy. Incalculable. Beyond mortal Ken. Exactly. It was that art house thing. Not only are you picked first, we zero in on you, too. I know. I got it next time. Well, depending on what... Depending on... Uh, how we do our, our choosing next time. I, I guess I'll have to pick something that'll throw you guys off the trail. Or just keep pick, picking like rad movies to talk about. That's fine too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I guess I, I'll pick something that's awesome that you guys won't think is me. That's the real trick, isn't it? Yeah. Now, I might have chosen this one uh, had I actually uh, seen it before. Um, but after having seen it, I, would have, I could see me submitting something like this. So, Had any of you guys seen this other than me? No. No. But when I was watching it and um, the spider thing came up, I was like, this is the spider movie that it was like I kept hearing about a few years back. So I was oh, like really okay. I was like really stoked because I was like, oh, I get to see Spokey Dokey. I wanted to see what everyone was like talking about, you know. So uh, here's the, uh, I'll start with the, the cursing and just get that out of our system right away since <laughs> Pepe kicked that off. You fucked my wife. You fucked my wife. 
Did he sleep with my wife? Stop my wife! Did you fuck my wife? That's good. That is fucking good. <laughs> Just wow. Man, I took it in a little different direction. I feel it was, I feel the way I did it would have been more truly Canadian to just be like, come on now, own up to it. <laughs> Definitely more in character. <laughs> so what did you guys think? Cat, uh, what, did, what did you think of this one? We'll start with you since I read left to right. Uh, yeah, I mean, so definitely, I felt like I was holding my breath almost the entire movie. He, uh, the director did a really good job at us keeping us as a viewer on our toes and intrigued to see what everything came down to and what, and I, I don't know necessarily if the ending was what I thought it was going to be, but it was definitely just like, that's interesting, you know, just the way the, the film did it end um it was obviously very suspenseful uh very eerie um i also love the lighting uh, throughout this whole movie that was that was really great um and yeah, i mean i honestly i'm having a hard time having anything negative to say about this movie i think it did really 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 well the acting was great. And Jake Gyllenhaal, he has the ability to, I mean, obviously he's a great actor, but he has the ability to be like this soft, like person that you feel like you can trust and also the most like scary man ever. Um, and he definitely played kind of both of those roles for this movie. Um, so yeah, great job. Just, yeah, he's got yeah, the range and the, the crazy eyes and the versatility and the verisimilitude. He's got it all. The triple threat, the triple V. There may have been two V's in there, but uh, we'll we'll fix that in post. But uh, yeah, um, anybody else want to chime in? How how was this received by you, Devin? Um, yeah, I I agree that Gyllenhaal did an incredible job in here, and Pepe has once again picked a movie that feels like a a acting showcase. Um, whereas The Lighthouse very much an acting showcase for uh, uh those two actors. I can't think of the name of right now. Um, this like this movie literally showed the entire range of Jake Gyllenhaal. It was like literally both sides of his range at 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 once. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, it was incredible. I, I I'm a big fan of Jake Gyllenhaal. I think he does really good in suspense. Um, one of my favorite movies of all time is actually, um, it's called The Phone Booth, and it has Jake Gyllenhaal and basically nobody else in it. Um, and it's just him talking uh, to I think David Spade for like uh, you know an hour and a half. It's a great suspense movie. He plays the phone booth in that, right? Yeah. Wow. Exactly. I haven't seen that one. I'll have to check the it range. out. The range. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, it's a really good movie. <laughs> yeah, but in all seriousness, I, I love Jake Gyllenhaal as well. And uh, to Kat's point about the um, the lighting, yeah, I also took note of like the color palette that was used in this. Um, another oppressive film, I felt like. Uh, uh, I, I thought it did a great job, of course, but um, I felt like the feelings I had while watching it were not pleasant ones, but that wasn't the point. Uh, Pepe, why did you choose this? Oh, Devin has something to say. Yeah, sorry, real quick. Um, I, I'm, I, I got an egg on my face. Um, that's Colin Farrell did the phone booth. I'm totally wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, the phone booth is Colin Farrell. Also, a great you'll be hearing film. from his attorney. There must be some other. 
there must be some other subconscious tie between these movies um, that, that made me think of that movie when I watched this. But Well, Colin anyway. Farrell was the guy in the phone, phone booth. Jake Gyllenhaal was the phone booth. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, I'm glad we got that sorted out. <laughs> <laughs> well, before I say why I picked this, why don't, why don't, I want to hear what Jim thought. Yep. Um, honestly, maybe I was trying to read too much into this, but I felt like I was trying to get the gist of the movie that was playing out. Um, and coupled with that, I think Jake Gyllenhaal is a is a great actor. Um, I, I've seen him in, in quite a few movies. This movie, for some reason, kind of gave me Donnie Darko vibes. Um, just very kind of subdued type. And I, in in this movie and that movie, it's hard for me to read emotions the more subdued emotions that jake gyllenhaal is trying to portray obviously the more overt ones are you know easy but and i think that's what added to the confusion i was trying to figure out what kind of movie this was um you know it it was definitely interesting and the range of having two Jake Gyllenhaals squaring off against each other, you know, as a doppelganger. But um, I was, I was waiting for, I, I mean, because if you ever meet your doppelganger in real life, you're, you're supposed to slay them with the Highlander sword, right? There can only be one or the world's just going to totally collapse. And I was just waiting for that to happen. That never kind of came around, but um, I don't, I don't know if I understood uh, the entire tone that this movie was trying to take. So. Sure, I felt I feel you on that. I was trying to figure it out uh, well into the film, um, mm-hmm. and as far as like those like kind of movie trope rules, I thought that uh, more of those would apply. I also thought that uh, one of them must be evil, like the uh, Star Trek evil Spock rules, you know. But that they I they that. I guess they kind of both ended up being evil, so maybe one was slightly more evil and edged the other one out. I'm not sure. But uh, Pepe, so now that you've heard from all of us, uh, where what uh, led you to choose this, and uh, what's your story with this one? Yeah, man, I just really like this movie. Um, I think I like it even more than I like The Lighthouse, and I like The Lighthouse a lot. I hadn't seen this one in a long time, but after the first time I saw it, it really it has stuck with me since the first time seeing it, and. Um, Seeing it again now, I watched it twice this week. Um, and I really, the first time I just kind of let it, I just kind of let myself watch it and kind of let it take me where it was going. And then the second time I had a sort of idea in my head of what I thought the movie was doing. And as I watched it, I sort of tried to match up what was going on in the movie with the idea that I had in my head. And I think I have a pretty good read of it now, but but one of the reasons that I really like this movie is because you don't know what's going on in it. And I, especially, I think the hardest part of this movie is to figure out what the hell the spiders have to do with anything. And you can sort of easily forget about them if not for the ending, which the first time I saw it was horrifying. I was just so taken aback by that ending. Um, I was caught so off guard by it. I didn't see it coming at all, which I can't imagine anybody would. Um, but man, it left such an impression on me. I really, really like this movie. Did and you? 
for for those reasons and all the other reasons that people have already mentioned. Did did that ending um when you first saw it did it just kind of shock you uh or did you get an initial kind of read on the symbolism of it or was it more no. just like what did i just see kind of reaction no it like scared me i was i was yeah. i like gasp gasped right. cuz i didn't expect it at all um i it wasn't until my the times that i watched it this week that i think i really finally figured out what the spiders were um originally i had thought that they had something to do with um like dictatorship or something like like a totalitarian government because that's what the teacher jake gyllenhaal talks about when he's lecturing right. i thought they had something to do with that but i don't think that they i well they sort of do but in a very tangential way um yeah, I think that they are representative of something else. See, I was trying to like string it all together, you know? And so I was going with that the dictatorship thing was kind of just representative of the male dictatorship kind of over uh, women or like, you know, society or something. But I don't know if that was like really the case or if that was me just trying to like put it all together into a narrative or something that like followed. But uh, this movie was definitely experimental. And um, I don't know if the writer director, uh, it was a different writer from the director, I think, but I don't know if they actually imbued it with specific meaning or were supposed to just uh, take meaning away from it. They sure were like, didn't want people to talk about that spider oh. a lot. So cat. <laughs> I was going to say, so I did read an article about the whole, about the spiders in this movie. So I don't know if we want to get into it before I kind of say what I read, because um, I don't want to influence anyone's interpretation of it first. Uh, well, I've kind of come to my conclusion but, and I didn't read anything about it because I thought it would, might come up in our, come out in our session anyway. But Pepe, I'm kind of curious what you said. You kind of big, got some kind of reading on it. Did you read some other stuff about this movie or did you kind of come up with something that well, seemed right I mean, to you on your own this this movie's been in my head for a while even just mm -hmm. since i've since i watched it when it originally came out and so i've done reading about it just over time um but um the but between my viewings of it this week i watched um the guy who does the uh like your movies sucks a YouTube channel did a did a review of this movie and talked about what he thought was going on with it. Um, and I think a lot of what he says is right, except for what he how he sees the spiders. And basically, so what he says is that there's really only one person in this movie. There's only one Jake Gyllenhaal. And it's and it's a sort of and the the fact that there are two of them is a sort of like the second one is the sort of personification of a part of him and actually the actor jake gyllenhaal the one that like rides the motorcycle and stuff he's the real one and the other one is the sort of is this is a sort of projection of his mind or um uh a way that he sees himself yeah and i think that's a pretty good reading of it it's like the story um, he tells about himself to himself right yeah, because I think I think that 
at the end of the day, I think that this is a pretty mundane story told in a very, very artful and interesting way, because I think the sort of like basic story of it is about a guy who doesn't want to be tied down by his pregnant wife, basically. Um, and mm. about like how he's sort of like trying to come to grips with that and not necessarily succeeding. Yeah. That's uh, to me, that's a sort of, that's not a super interesting story for me, but the way that it's told in this movie make is like super, super interesting. And I thought that was just by the, like, that is the interesting part about this movie to me. If that, if that, if the movie was just about this guy who wants to like sow wild oats all the time and not take care of his pregnant wife, that's dumb. That's not very interesting. Right. If you come um, to me and pitch to me a movie about a guy just being a selfish jerk and that's yeah. how, and that's what I get, then that's not going to fly. But uh, yeah, you're right. It was told in an interesting way. Are, are you yeah, familiar so, with Villanova's other stuff? I know some yeah, of it by I've title. I, name. I, I didn't really, is, was this his first movie? Do you know? Um, it wasn't feature. his first. Um, it might have been his first feature. I don't remember. I'm wondering um, how I he mean, got such a great like cast and and stuff for something. Well, this early he on. also he also did Sicario, and I don't remember if that one came out before mm -hmm. or after this. I think it was after. But Sicario is incredible, also. Sicario, yeah. Which I haven't watched. I, I know I it's incredible enough that I know about it, having just kind of slipped through the cracks for me. So that's one yeah. that's definitely on the list. But he has a pretty nice kind of resume of stuff he's directed since this. Yeah. It yeah, I mean, very he did strong this, first he did, movie. Yeah, he did Sicario. He did Arrival. He did Arrival, the new Blade right. Runner. And I think yeah, he just did Blade Dune. Runner. Oh, is this that who's behind the new Dune series? Yep. Yeah. I see. Okay. I can see why. He kind of has a little bit of a Lynchian thing that was kind of a throwback to the first Dune. and. Yeah. So anyway, just to finish up my thought, I think that mm -hmm. the spiders in the movie represent his like feeling of being tied down, basically. And his way of escaping that is like is primarily sexual. And so that's why you see like in those in the opening scenes of the movie, that woman like stepping on the spider. And then and then you see as that feeling in him builds as he gets more and more scared of being tied down the spiders start roaming around in the city. And then at the end, when he sort of, when he sort of kills the other part of himself and that other woman that he's seeing, he, I think you're supposed to get the feeling that like, oh, okay, he's gotten over it. He's going to be with his wife now. But then we see him open up that key again, which we know is the key to that like secret like eyes wide shut sex party thing mm -hmm. and then he goes and then he asks his his wife she's like he's like hey are you planning on going anywhere i might have to go out somewhere and that's when she turns into that spider that's when that like constraint comes back and that feeling of being constrained there, comes got back you on into that. his life again helen did you plan on doing something tonight because i think i have to go out Yeah, so I think I think that's ultimately his. He finally, finally, he ultimately fails at like deciding to be with his, to be faithful to his wife, and that's why she turns into that spider at the end. Um, 
But that, and that's that was your interpretation? Yeah, okay. I'm curious how that's, what you thought the guy idea. got wrong. And I'm also curious, Kat, what you came up with. Um, I, from what you just said, though, Pepe, really quick, I'll just say this, that I think I finally got a grasp on the movie a little bit better. Like, the penny kind of dropped there while you were going through that. Because uh, there was, like, elements there that I was understanding, but that kind of tied it up really nicely. But Kat, what did you come up with uh, with with your research? And Devin, you have something else to say, add to? Yeah, I just wanted to add before we go to the the article, just my my own interpretation um, briefly. Yeah, that's fair. I was a little confused. Yeah, I was a little confused by it. I mean, I think it's clearly meant to be confusing, and then the uh, you know the fact that they don't want anyone talking about it kind of reinforces that like part of the experience of the film is considering what that that symbolism means. Um, but it, it immediately reminded me of a, a story I read recently, a short story in one of my lit classes. Um, it's called The Tattooer by uh, Tanizaki Junichiro, uh, Junichiro um, I believe a Japanese author. And the basic premise of the story is just that there's this tattoo artist, one of the first tattoo artists in like ancient feudal Japan when like tattoos were a new thing. Um and he's like renowned for his art. These these men come from all over the world to like, you know, supplicate outside of his door to try to get him to like, you know, to, to allow him to uh, uh, perform on them. And uh, but he is like dissatisfied and wants to find like the perfect canvas basically for his work. And he meets this young like serving girl who he falls like madly in love with. He becomes like obsessed with more her skin than her as a person, um, like very, very much objectifies her. And then at the end of the story, um, she comes to visit him uh, for some other purpose, not to get a tattoo. He begs her to, to allow him to give her a tattoo. She says no. He winds up drugging her. And while she's asleep, tattoos a spider, this like incredibly lifelike spider on her. Um, and then when she wakes, she has like ultimate power over him. Like without even trying, he is like terrified of her and will not go near her. And uh, in the last like scene of the, the story, he's begging her to show him the tattoo because she's like hidden it under her clothes. And uh, so it just kind of because that was so fresh in my mind. And when I watched this, I kind of thought of it as um, kind of similar to what Pepe is saying, that it, it represents the power that women have over these two men or this one man. I, I wasn't totally sure when I was watching if it was meant to be two or just one. But uh, yeah, in a similar vein where it's like the, the you know, them uh, his pregnant wife tying him down it's like the power that these women hold over him yeah it's both seems... his temptation for them and his responsibility to them right yeah and uh sort of that instinctual struggle um with the kind of the higher brain and then the the lower lizard uh brain what are they i know it's not called a lizard brain but uh, uh what not amphibian what are lizards reptilian Reptilian. Yeah, the reptilian, reptilian brain. brain. Yeah. Reptilian, brain. Yeah. I knew it was there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then also just broadly, I wanted to say that I'm so glad they used tarantulas in this movie for the spiders because I'm I'm like a huge arachnophobe. For some yeah. reason, tarantulas are the least least fearsome spider for me. I don't know why, but like something about them being hairy, I guess, makes them less gross. Uh, if they had used any other kind of spider, I don't know if I could have finished this film because I like I'm yeah major arachnophobe. Yeah, I just know that tarantulas, people actually have them as pets. But um, if you had a tarantula here and were like, hey, put this on your hand, I would probably uh, run out of the room if I had the means. So, yeah, spiders were very effective for me. Jim, did you have anything to add before Kat uh, kind of goes off of what she found, like researching? Um, 
just like little little things that have to do with scenes and and some of the uh quotes and stuff so no i don't have nothing to add okay so the article that i read you guys were pretty close to hitting it on the spot um the spiders are so this is actually per the director which is interesting that devin i think it was you that said that they didn't want them the actors to talk about this at all to anyone so i was surprised to see that i was at least this article mentioned that this was straight from the director um but basically um the director said that it wasn't based off necessarily the novel, the use of the spiders. It was definitely used as a symbolic representation within the movie that as a director um, he chose to have. But um, the meaning of it is basically tied down to this idea, uh, what the writer calls the Freudian Madonna whore complex, which means that men basically see women as either saintly mothers or worthless sex objects. And that really resonated with me because my takeaway from this movie was again, oh, okay, here we go again with women being these tropes as either they're being used to they're they're women the women are being used as um reproductive figures to yeah reproduce or they're used as sex objects. And so obviously reading this article i'm like okay so this was it seems like that was done intentionally so much better like it's not you know in the same sense of just being like the stranger than fiction movie using tropes like that um this was done with intent and um that really did resonate that part really resonated with me um in this film because of the fact that that's how these women were very much portrayed um and so they go back to a Greek mythology that ties to how spiders are a representation of femininity and, um, and of power and, and fear and danger. And so kind of to tie back what you guys were saying is that this kind of goes back to maybe his fear or both of the men's fear um, of women and having like an actual intimate relationship with women, which is why after Adam has sex with, um Helen right or was it Mary that was a pregnant woman Helen? yeah I think so yeah um with Helen then Helen becomes a spider basically because she becomes this other sex object to Adam once again after they have sex so that's kind of the extent to what the article was was saying about the representation of the spiders and it goes more into like some of the Greek mythology but that's just a short summary of hmm. it. Probably mentioned Arachne. You had mentioned Freudian in the beginning. I think. Yeah, this the so they mentioned Freudian Madonna whore complex, which is the idea of women either being uh, saintly mothers or worthless sex That's objects. That's really interesting because his mother. Well, there was a couple of scenes with Mother. Um, the quote in the very beginning that you get from Mother, but it was towards the um, the college professor, Jake Gyllenhaal, or at least I took it in that context because it showed him immediately afterwards, was how can you live like that? You know, in a very accusing kind of way. And then the second scene where the other 
Jake Gyllenhaal, the the actor, um, he's talking about his meeting with his doppelganger. <laughs> I found this as kind of comedic, but uh, she said, the last thing you need is meeting strange men in hotel rooms. <laughs> that was just funny to me. So, <laughs> but, um, but the mother in that scene was, at least the impression that I got was that she was a little bit of an authoritarian and she was distant and cold, you know? And so uh, the fact that you mentioned Freudian, I think that informs at least a little bit of what's going on in the movie. Yeah. And his meeting with the mom there triggered him to run off. And now that I'm, if I'm running with Pepe's read of it to cheat again, mm -hmm. like that triggered that sequence where he did the whole convincing himself to go take the guy's girlfriend away for the weekend. If I'm remembering correctly, that ha that sequence followed that meeting with uh, the mother who's played by Isabella Rossellini. If you guys noticed mm. uh, her, who has also been in Lynch stuff. So that I think was not a, a mistake. Oh, was she, uh... go ahead. What, um, what, 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 uh, what Lynch stuff has she been in? Blue Velvet. Oh, Blue Velvet. Okay. Yeah. And I was also going to add, um, just reading the article and obviously thinking back on the movie, I can't help but think, um, and to kind of tie back what you said, you were talking about, Ben, about how you thought those spiders might represent dictatorship. I think it could, con at least where I go with my brain on this is, I know from like a very feminist theory perspective of the fact that, you know, ideologies like sexism uh, and just like racism and any of these other I ideologies can be definitely used to control the way, can definitely control a society and can be utilized to dictate a society by having the power stay powerful and have the, um, have other people stay, you know, underneath that power. So for me, I can see how even this connection between the way that women are viewed um, back to the way that maybe society functions and dominates and continues to control power for, say, like, you know, men have the power, women do not. So, and, and doing that through, like, say, media, like what the professor, what Adam was saying earlier in the, in the, uh, in the film about how they use entertainment as a form to kind of keep the masses complacent. Yeah, there was a lot of different psychology 101 stuff, at least for me, because that's as far as I went with it, uh, that, kind of, that kind of sprung up out of the, the back of my mind from those many years ago that I took it. Um, I think I'm grasping here, but uh, isn't there like a theory of mind where like if you are enamored with someone like, say, a crush that really, that it's like you're ego or your id or something that you're projecting onto them that you're attracted to and not necessarily the real person can anyone pick up what i'm dropping off there or am i am i just like going too far too deep yeah it, if i understand what what you're saying ben um the projection of the opposite sex parental figure um on your future love well, that's mates. freudian right right 
Yeah, this is like a different thing. I th but maybe it's tied to that. I'm not sure. Um, it's it's literally like your projection of what you how they make you feel or how right. you imagine how they. I think it's just more of like kind of the idea that you're like, if you are crushing on someone, uh, you're really just attracted to kind of the feelings that you're having, and then the idea of them that you're projecting on them, rather than the reality. And I know that there was some theory, yeah, there was some theory about it, um, and I thought, I found it kind of interesting at the time and kind of applied here. This probably isn't what you're thinking of, but one of the things that, one thing that stuck with me um, when I was doing my philosophy undergrad was Rousseau talks about this idea of like um, having to make sure that when you're in love with someone, to actually make sure you're in love with them rather than being in love with love. And so the idea is that like you want to be in love with someone, you want to have that relationship. And that might be what you're pursuing rather than this other person. Um, it sounds very similar. But I mean, yeah, it, it is similar, but he was way before he was, he pre predated these like for the, these like psychology guys like Freud and Jung. Um, and if it was couched in the ideas of like ego id and that kind of, that's Freud. So it would, mm -hmm. would have to have been someone who came after him. Yeah. I think I'm using the wrong terminology there. Um, maybe if someone ever hears this, they can write in if they know. <laughs> yeah. This will be our first email. That's, you know, Kat, what you were talking, what you were talking about, that's interesting. Cause I hadn't had, I hadn't thought about it in that way because I thought that, um, well, for a number of different reasons, but do you, did you see the, who, wh how did you see the power dynamic in this movie? Do you thought, did you see that the women had, were like higher up on the power dynamic than Jake Gyllenhaal was, or did you see um, it? No, I, I saw it. Like, like I said, it kind of felt like the women were wrote, were written as, um, another typical trope of being either these you know, Mary was the sex object and Helen was this, this, yeah, saintly mother, mother. Um, so basically just completely emotional and, um, you know, concerned about her, her child and concerned about the marriage and concerned about whether he's seeing other women. Um, so it was just, again, it kind of felt like the, these women had a very, uh, one-dimensional representation of uh of how and who women are like um so i i that's kind of how i read it that's how i felt about it um but once i read the article kind of explaining that the spiders were used as a representation and this is per the director as um as to, to represent fem femininity that's when i understood that that Although that was that they did, they for sure rep, they were sure they were for sure represented like that. Um, it was done within with intent. It wasn't just because it, it was a male writer or anything like that who just didn't know any better. Um, I don't know if that answers your question, but no, it does. But I, I just I'm surprised because I think that if you I think that if you do look at the movie in that way, I think you would have to come to that conclusion. But if you had asked me, I would I would have said that just based on the reading that I talked to you guys about, that the women were the more powerful 
characters in the movie because everything that Jake Gyllenhaal was doing in the movie was in reaction to the way that they were making him feel or the power that they, or the like emotional power that they had over him. Um, but I wouldn't deny, I wouldn't say that what you brought up that the like, that the like Madonna horror thing isn't there because it definitely is now that, especially now that you've mentioned it, it seems obvious. Um, and the interplay of those two things is interesting. I think you're right too. Like, I think that he is reacting on based off of these women in his life. I think that it comes down to women. The women do have a power and say over the way he feels. That's, I think that's pretty clear, but it is like this duality of, of how, and I, and I feel this and just a, on a personal level as a woman of just kind of this perception that men have, of me and women in general, I think, of viewing us as people that can kind of sway them to do a lot of things, but also at the same time putting us into these very def definitive boxes. And if we go outside of those boxes, then we're not what they thought we were supposed to be. So it is it, just like I think in reality, there's there is that in play of just women having power, but also at the same time, not having power and so it's just this constant like interesting right. weird mesh um so that i totally almost, think is accurate it, it almost sounds like to enmesh both of like kind of the takes that you you have cat and uh pepe and also talking about like the the tyranny that they're um trapped in their own respective paradigms uh, because what you're saying, Pepe, is that the Jake Gyllenhaal character or characters are um, in reaction to, and so it's powerless. It's almost like a spider's web um, in, in that way. But then the women being the archetypes uh, and, and kind of feeling those archetypes and, you know, the static type of characters that they represent, they're also um, trapped within that, that mold, that par paradigm. Um, one thing that I want to add is I'm not a philosophy, you know, guy at all, but I mean, I find it interesting. The, um, the Hegel reference, um, I, so I did look that up. Uh, it was the only thing I looked up about this movie, but he was a German um, philosopher, but then he was also kind of a historian and followed the, uh, akin to the model of like Marx. Marxism. So if you're talking about like power and tyranny, I, I think that would obviously have an interplay in this as well. Where did the Hegel quote come from in the movie again? Refresh my memory. Um, it was towards the beginning because um, I have it written it's real a, early on. Go ahead. So during his lecture or something? Isn't it the uh, chaos is order yet undeciphered? That one? I thought it was chaos is order undecided. Did I read that wrong? I might have read that. No, Devin, you're talking about the quote from the beginning of the movie. I don't think that was from Hegel. He talks about the thing he quotes from Hegel is that all the all the greatest events of history occur twice. I think. Oh, that. Yeah. Thank you. That one. And the first and the first time's a tragedy, and the second time's a farce. Yeah, that's, he, right. that's what he says Marx adds to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Boy, that rang true. Just reflecting on the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so I had something to add. Uh, yeah, that's, come back in when you're ready. Um, yeah, so with the power dynamic thing, though, I mean, uh, I feel like from the male point of view, he probably did feel like the females in his life had all the power, yet uh, he's the one who took action and actually, like, hurt other people. Um, and so he definitely plays up his, uh, the power that he wields as well. And, uh, there, I guess a different kind of power. He's more like enthralled to his instincts and how he feels in that, in that regard towards women where they are, uh, they are the subject of the kind of power dynamic that like exists in our society. I honestly found it comedic where that like one of his first conclusions he's like oh shit i have a doppelganger did you fuck my wife i mean obviously like that mm -hmm. was a comedic thing that we, we were laughing at earlier but just like i'm like if i found out i had a doppelganger my i would not that would not be like the the first reaction i have is hey did you have you know sex with my husband that's just i have so many other questions why why is that even on my mind he immediately wants to exploit it for sexual purposes. Almost like, and I have to give the right. movie a little bit of credit because mm. it's like almost like the Invisible Man thing where like they'll do an Invisible Man movie and you're like, well, if that like guy was an Invisible Man, he definitely would be like more abusive of this power that he's been given, you know? And so like I have to give the writer or director whomever credit that they went there and was like, yeah, this creep would probably try to exploit that. Yeah, and that's what it felt like, obviously. Because it was all an act, right? I mean, he's just like, oh, there we go. Now I'm ready to, like, you know, do my evil plan or whatever. Uh, let me go to a, 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 a clip. That, oh, did you have something to add? No, I was I was just going to say, I just, I'm curious what the conversation would have been like between the two Jake Gyllenhaals and, like, okay, so I'm going to take your girlfriend and we're going to go. And then it cuts away to him leaving, but I'm like where why didn't you stand up why didn't you do anything like why did you just let him take your girlfriend like this trade-off is just and i'm like and did did he actually fuck his wife and is that why he's okay with him fucking his girlfriend it was it was i don't know yeah maybe some anyways, of that was left continue. to interpretation but um yeah that would have been interesting to kind of see that but i guess i if i'm just going from instincts i would read it as that that farce of a conversation was enough to justify them doing what they did. Like that was just enough for the, enough of a, a, uh, uh, just enough of a, an excuse, right. To, uh, then go ahead and enact this ridiculous plan. But, uh, here's, here's a evidence of, uh, the actor character. I forget his name, but it's Jake Gyllenhaal playing one of the two roles and, uh, the conversation that just, uh, Basically, well, I'll, I'll play the clip first. The last 10 minutes of my run, it's 23 year old kid, something like that. He's following me the whole time. I'm never gonna beat this kid. And he dropped. You think that I should cut my beard off? Because it's hot. Wait, why'd you call me earlier? You call me for a reason? Ah, Ronnie, where are the blueberries? Where are the blueberries? I told you like two days ago. The organic blueberries, not the conventional blueberries. I can't use them in the shit. 
What's wrong? I was I'm only out safe because I read a magazine the blueberries the Dear God. <laughs> the blueberries. The horror, in, the horror in that scene was just like, yeah, that's that's like horrifying to me how like little he's paying attention to her and stuff. And I've probably been guilty of a conversation just like that. Just like jumping around like me, 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 me. Even like what's wrong. It has to be about him and the blueberries. You know, it can't be about something that she's experiencing. It's all has to be seen through uh, the, the, his view, his point of view. And that, that scene also was, like I, I think it was the first time the blueberries were brought up because I think the next scene was with him when it was when the professor was with his mom and he was she was like don't you want some blueberries and he's like no I don't like blueberries so I don't know if that was trying to you know to tell us as the viewers that when one of them likes the blueberries that's the that's uh, Anthony and when the other one doesn't that's Adam but yeah. Now that it's maybe the same character, I'm wondering if the blueberries have some kind of deeper meaning or whatever, like much of this movie. But go ahead, Devin. Uh, well, yeah, that whole scene was sort of indicating, I think, tr trying to give you sort of a breadcrumb that, that they're the same person because everything that his mother says is relating to Anthony and not the professor because she also says, when are you going to give up the your your fantasies of being an actor? Uh, she also says, um, you know, you have a really nice apartment or something to the to the effect of you have a really nice apartment. Whereas we hear her in the beginning say he has a shithole apartment. She's like, I can't believe you live like that. That's how she describes his apartment. Um, and so all three of those are kind of indications that like either she's the mother to both of them, which I guess if you're still trying to like, you know, think of if you're still taking the movie of face value at that point, you might be thinking that or it's an indication that, yeah, they are the same right. person. And he's maybe yeah, having wow. some kind of split personality. Much more this kind of seems to me like it's really a, more elements than I thought, just not just the doppelganger elements, but like elements like his apartment and how he lived may have just been stories he was telling himself or just how he views himself. Then, Just based off of the other people's take on it and their feedback. The fact that the fact that they're like, we like that that doppelganger is a sort of like category that we have in our minds i think is even just interesting um mm -hmm. because like why would the fact that there that there may be another exact copy of you in the world be horrifying it is but why why is it i think that's a fascinating thing that like where does the horror of that come from yeah, I think, you know, just to, to speak to that, I think it's kind of, I mean, it, you know, we, we as humans have this strong sense of identity. It's like a huge part of who we are. We're constantly trying to find, you know, the real the real us or whatever. And uh, constantly, I think most people kind of a human condition thing that we're all thinking about, like, what if I had done this? What if I had become an actor? What if I had, you know, uh, gone back fuck, to college? My wife. Yeah. <laughs> What if I had, well, yeah, what if I had gone home with that girl that I saw at the coffee shop, things like that, where we're constantly thinking about what ifs. And when we see another version or, of ourselves in the world, it's like, a, you know, they are, they represent like another path we could have taken. Um, and I do, I did find it very interesting. Again, when I was still taking this, this movie at face value, the idea that like twins just don't exist in this universe, that like eventually way down the line, they think of the idea that they could be brothers. But it's like the the main character that we're following in the beginning, Adam, is so like shaken to his core that there's someone who looks like him. And it's like, 
I mean, yeah, okay, but twins exist. Like, twins are a thing. Like, you could have been separated at birth. There's, there is a real-world explanation for someone looking like you. These um, were my thoughts, too. Yeah, but he is so quickly, like, just terrified. I think that is, you know, uh, again, a sign that he knows deep down that, that whatever he's seeing is is not not real, I guess. Is it that he's being confronted with the reality that he's not who he thinks he is? Is that what you were... Am I hearing that correctly? Yeah, I think that's more what he, yeah, is it because he, I think he knows from the beginning that there is not, uh, he doesn't have a doppelganger. He, and that is why he's so scared because seeing someone who looks like you again, while it could shake you, there are logical explanations that he never even thinks of because in his mind, you know, in some part of his mind, he knows that it's not, it, it is something more than bullshit. a clone. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. He's seeing a reflection and then it's revealing his kind of some of his true nature to himself. Maybe. I buy that. Um, here's yeah, a. Thank you. Yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say that. Thanks for bringing that up because I that was like the biggest thing about this movie that I didn't really, or at least initially, I didn't really understand. I'm like, why? I'm like, yeah, I get that. It must be freaky to see someone that looks like you and like sounds like you and stuff. But I'm like, the chances that there's someone that might look like you, not even related to you, is not super super low like it can happen i mean it happens all the time where people look very similar so yeah i was at an international student event at my college and uh i had there was these three german exchange students who like excitedly ran over to me and wanted to take a photo with me and i was like what is going on and they're like you're like an exact you look exactly like our friend in germany and they're like we have to take a photo with you to send to him because you look exactly like him i was like okay i never actually saw the guy so i don't know (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah so it happens. I mean, there are people in the world that you look like. And also there's I, I remember hearing sometime a, a study that like a majority of people wouldn't recognize themselves if they walked past themselves on the street. That like mm-hmm. our idea of what we look like is so different from what we actually look like that we wouldn't even recognize ourselves on the street. I don't know if that's true, but it was some yeah. study, some some survey. I don't know how they connected it. Yeah, it is kind of scary, though, and it is built in our psyche. I, I mean, when you the fear well, also the fear of the other that looks exactly like you, like just looking at other movies like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, you know, the pod people, they they look exactly like you, but they're definitely not you. And they have some diabolical design, you, you know, it's kind of baked in, I think. Yeah, there's that also like those uh, people who get a specific type of like brain damage will like see people and know that they look like the person, but for some reason that part of the mind that recognizes people like doesn't kick in or is damaged or something. Mm-hmm. And so they read it like as it's somebody's doppelganger and they're trying to trick them, even though it clearly looks like them. Mm-hmm. So there must be something in the mind on uh, some level where that's uh, that like sense of falseness is just terrifying. In fact, I remember nightmares where I've seen people in nightmares that weren't like I, it, like knew it wasn't them even though it looked like them and that did freak me out so must be something to that so uh i i'll go through uh, a couple more of these uh clips um this one has to do with it's kind of towards the beginning of the movie when the girlfriend's trying to get him to go to bed i think i'm drunk Come join you, okay? 
So uh, one thing, if your partner asks you to go to bed, you say yes, first of all. So I'm not buying, but now seriously though, like it's kind of a red flag for like, I was thinking, okay, this guy's like clearly depressed or maybe their relationship's kind of circling the drain. Um, is, isn't that like kind of a milestone or maybe a touchstone for depression, Jim? Um, it, 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 it can be. Yeah. It, yeah. Joyless being tired. Um, not being any any kind of like passion i mean there's a lot of little milestones of depression even ones that you wouldn't think um you know when you experience you're like that's not a sign of depression but it is huh being bored constantly can be a sign of depression that makes sense not being able to feel very deeply Mm -hmm. that relationship early on we see is is deeply physically based like we, right. we basically only see those two having having intercourse and nothing else and so yes. when he denies that it's like a very clear like oh like if their whole relationship is sex and he doesn't want it that's you know that's a red flag Devin, i got a question for you you've said previously and correct me if i'm mistaken that a lot of the times when they show sex scenes in movies that it's um basically kind of pandering towards uh the male gaze or uh you know just showing off the female body or whatever were they using this for yeah. that or were they using this specifically and only to communicate that there was some issue or were they trying to just get the best of both worlds it it didn't feel gratuitous to me i mean like uh intercourse is part of this film i mean like it's it is a major part of it it's all about his relationship with women and sex and uh most of the sex scenes didn't linger didn't like overstay their welcome it was very much like here see they're having sex okay next scene like for such a slow film that yeah. lingered on a lot of things one of the only things it didn't linger on was like really long drawn out sex scenes with a lot of unnecessary nudity so yeah to me it didn't it didn't feel exploitative um it didn't come maybe the there. difference is that they were conscious of what they were doing and there was a story intent clearly they were telling yeah. a story with it rather than just using it as like a pleasant uh sexual stopover for people to enjoy some skin or whatever for a second in the movie yeah, yeah it, exactly it felt like even though there was some passion i guess we call it that just the very fact that the scenes were short you, you know if you look at it like some type of release or some type of need being satisfied it, it was short sustaining yeah all about you, you instincts know, yeah and and even though there was some passion there it almost seemed i just got the impression that it was kind of forced you, you know that it was still passionless yeah i got that too um here's another gonna... oh go ahead go ahead um, I was just going to say that it, to kind of go off what Devin said, it did feel like it was needed for this story. It didn't feel like it was just an added thing um, because at least what I'm thinking about with kind of the sex scenes throughout this movie is that it shows a lot about the power dynamics of the relationship itself and also kind of shows a lot about the two, the two persons or the two personalities of the same person. Um, and the way that they interact with their intimate partners in those personalities or the people, whatever we want to interpret the movie as. Um, and just thinking about the the fact that uh, at the beginning, I think early in the beginning when they're showing the sex scene and it's supposedly Adam having sex with uh, Mary, 
she at one point goes like, ow, get off me and like pushes him off. Um, and oh, I thought yeah, that right. Was, I thought that was an interesting thing because it made me think about if that was actually Anthony, because Adam seems so much like this, you know, sweet kind of person, kind of like, like self-conscious almost to a point. Um, but it doesn't seem like that would be very Adam like that seemed a lot more like Anthony kind of behavior. And so uh, I just at least that, I picked on some of the stuff through the sex scene that I think was trying to tell us something as viewers and maybe that's why i can't remember which one's which but maybe that's why the actor knew to accuse the other fella is that does that follow what you from what you're saying like if he got in there personality wise early on earlier on then you might suspect or something yeah exactly and yeah that's what made me question at least it's confusing who was who i think uh looking back before we move on to i think the only the only sex scene in the film I think that did make me uncomfortable for different reasons was that, again, depending on how you interpret this film, um, there is effectively a rape scene in it. Yeah, uh, that's where I was going. If you were taking this as these are two doppelgangers, yeah, when when she when the um, yeah the the non pregnant woman is is sleeping with who we know to be Anthony and and doesn't know that's you know effectively rape and then immediately after murder, um, which was yeah a little bit of an uncomfortable sequence. Um, but then later it's like. You know, when it was recontextualized by the idea that they might be the same person, it was like a little less. But still, in the moment, it was like very hard to watch. But Mary at that moment said she recognized that it wasn't who who she thought she was having sex with because she said something about his finger not having a mark in his finger. So that like she immediately, not immediately, but at least at some point recognized that it wasn't him, which also kind of gives... Yeah, she stops it, but I mean, before before that point, it is it is rape until you know, and then and then it stops when she realizes. No, yeah, no, no, for sure. But what I'm just trying to say is that that was an indication of that maybe the idea that it's two separate people, or it being the same person, seems right. to that that seems to indicate that it's not that it's two different people. If she's noting a noticing a physical difference in his hand or his finger. I wasn't there anymore because she was having sex with Anthony. So that's all I'm saying. I rash I rationalized that by reading it as if like he was married and this was his mistress and he blew it. She didn't know he was married, right? And she he blew it by leaving that mark on his finger, maybe not taking the ring off in time or something like that, or maybe she just never noticed before and she just noticed. Um, you know, something like that. I think there is a little a little um a chronology going on in the movie too because oh, okay. the um because the wife Helen has been pregnant for 6 months and I think at some point it's said that oh I think at the very beginning or maybe the mother character says something about how um Adam has been living in that apartment for six that crummy apartment for six months and so i think that there's some there's some strangeness going on with time mm-hmm. definitely um, seems worth yeah. another watch to kind of look out for stuff like that and i will say this that yeah. a lot of this stuff has only become clear during our conversation to me mm-hmm. so it's yeah. it's one of those definitely that are worth kind of sifting through the the layers you know 
Yeah, I picked up on some of that a chronology with the scar, which I imagine is from the car crash. Um, the scar on his chest. Uh, that's the only thing we see in the film that could cause a scar. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I also picked up on that one. After the car crash, I was like, okay, is that where the scar comes from? Is there, you know, something going on? Couldn't that yeah. be symbolism uh, for him just ending that relationship and trying to, like, kill that other guy, though? Or... I mean, it could, yeah, it depends on how much this movie dissolves into pure, you know, pure symbolism. None of it's actually real. You know, it's it's kind of the same thing with uh, uh, Horse Girl, where it's like at some point it's like, OK, is anything I'm seeing actually real or is it all just uh, representative at this point? I, I'm not sure. I think, yeah, I well, think you're right. I, I think most both things, both readings can be valid. And it was probably done with that intent very carefully so that you could read it either way was interesting what i read and sorry we can continue to sh for the clip um but what i read on on this the same article was saying that the scar was actually a representation of how i uh, kind of to go back to biblical references of adam and eve that the name adam was based off of adam and eve and how god had taken one of adam's rib uh, rib bones and to create eve and so it was a symbolic representation of how Anthony was that rib from Adam. And that's why they both had those scars. Interesting. Oh, I thought that was interesting. That's a pretty good, yeah, that's a pretty good read of that. But yeah. I don't think Adam had it. When, when we briefly see Adam's body when he's with uh, uh, the pregnant woman, I can't remember the women's names. Um, I, I I was looking for it and I didn't see it there, but I could be wrong. No, they both had it. There's a there's a oh, scene okay. where he lifts up his shirt. There's a scene where he he specifically shows it. You don't have to look for it. You don't have to be like trying to catch it. There's a scene where he shows it specifically. Oh, okay, I guess I missed it. Okay, so for someone who's been with the same person for like a long time and been married now for a number of years, um, even if you looked exactly like someone and you tried to impersonate them and and like try to be intimate with their wife uh there would just be like too many specifics you'd get wrong and she would like instantly know like um hello where's the clown mask right um so i'm <laughs> i'm wondering if like did the pregnant wife know and i'm like i actually wrote this in my notes but let me play the clip because like as i was writing that the other one figured it out right and so this is the scene we were kind of talking about here one ring to ruin it all the ring, the mark on your finger. What are you talking about? I've always had this. No. No. Who are you? Don't touch me! Don't touch me! What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Don't touch me! What are you talking about? Yeah, so she she got she figured it that out quick. But what about uh, the that other? That would be so scary. Oh, terrifying, right? Even if you were like mistake wrong, like it, like I was saying about like people who get that kind of brain damage, that's just a terrifying thought, you know? Yeah. That nobody is who they appear to be, or at least someone that you're, especially if you're being intimate with them, right? But I will say this, like hearing Devin your response earlier about like how sex scenes actually can work, it's kind of gives me heart because what i'm writing it's like it has uh that similar power dynamics that i'm exploring and so after our first conversation about that i had a lot of reflection like wow like can i actually write this like 
you know, can I include these scenes? How am I supposed to do this? But like seeing this, it was like kind of nice and it was a good choice in that sense, Pepe, because it helped me kind of reflect on that stuff. Like, okay, this is doable. And that was like one of the most uncomfortable scenes in the movie, but I still think it uh, served a, a, a purpose uh, and worked yeah. in that sense. So it's either yeah, the exception you know, to the thought, rule or. I was, I thought that the, one of the things that stood out to me in this movie too, was the amount of nudity in it. And I thought it was done incredibly well, which it oftentimes isn't. Um, there was nudity. Uh, like, I think people like to think that you can have, well, I'm going to contradict myself in a second here, but I'm going, I was going to say that, I think people think that you can have un, like non-sexual nudity, and I just don't think that that's the case. Um, and so I think that the nudity, especially the a lot of the, the um, nudity it, with um, with with uh, Mary and with the women that were in that weird sex group, was used like really well and really specifically because they were supposed to be scenes that were sexual. And then the one exception was there's the scenes where we get to see Mer uh, Mer uh, I'm sorry, Helen, when she's pregnant and, and uh, Anthony is sort of, it's the part in the movie where Anthony is sort of, seems to be coming to grips with being with his pregnant wife and sort of nearing making that decision, or at least that's how I read it. And he's looking at her and... I don't, and it, it it definitely has a sexual aspect to it, but I don't think that that was the primary sort of function of that nudity. I thought it was something else. I thought it was a, it was it was intimate rather than explicitly sexual. Although intimacy oftentimes, uh, you in, know, has sexual in America, context. I think that you're probably correct in the assumption that nudity always equals sex, um, but. In other cultures, in, in Europe, they can have nudity, it seems, more readily without it being overtly sexual or even implicitly sexual. Yeah. Like, they can go, to right. a, you can go to the beach and be naked, and it's, like, not a big deal over there. But it's just so, so foreign to me as an American. Like, every time, like, nudity is sex. Like, that's how we kind of read things. So looking at it from an, uh, it's an American movie, so looking at it from that perspective it probably is, is true. It's a Canadian it's movie, Canadian, 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 isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> but still, that's why all the nudity was so polite. North American, <laughs> America Junior. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, to answer your question, Ben, though, I do think that uh, uh, Helen, the pregnant wife, um, does recognize like instantly that she's with Adam and not. That's Anthony. what I thought. Like, it seems. It seems like there's she would there's know. a moment of like recognition. It's like some. It's some very good acting on the actress's part when she sees him like just standing in the doorway before he's even come to bed she she just realizes and uh and then like within a couple minutes she asks him like how was school or whatever and like it, it's clear at that point obviously she knows um and, oh i missed uh, that i missed that, that maybe knows. i was too busy yeah. writing yeah. down how would yeah. she not know to pick up on that it was subtle i think I, she I, even I, says I his name like that though I, did she okay yeah i believe now before I really that she even says it. adam but she like whispers it she like whispers adam or something okay. like that like to him and then she asks how school was or something hmm. so, yeah, she's trying to kind of like edge him to kind of realize that she knows yeah, um, she yeah. kind of seemed to yeah. want to seduce him almost at that point. Like, oh, it's okay. Like, you know, almost. Well, uh, I think, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that she finds herself 
Well, again, I, I think Anthony is the one. I think Anthony is the real character, and Anthony is an imagine. Anthony is imagining Adam as the person he would have to become to live this life with his wife, and he's a and he's sort of like seeing his wife being attracted to this Adam guy that that Anthony is imagining himself becoming. And it's I think it's for that reason that towards the end of the movie, he sort of comes to um, peace with that because he can see himself that way. He can see how positively his wife is responding to him when he acts that way. Um, but then that fucking key shows up again. <laughs> Yeah, he sees him. He sees Adam as kind of the noble professor type who's, you know, teaching well, yeah. people. And um, yeah, he's and, not the guy that sleeps around with his wife. He doesn't right. ride a, like a Too motorcycle, cool like movies. a cross rocket motorcycle. Right. Yeah. 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 Right, yeah. He's he's a totally different guy than he's not an actor. Right. He's he's a totally he's a stay at home dad, you know. Right. And then he completely fails. <laughs> yeah. Like he, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. And we got to wrap up. Yes. Um, well, I was just going to say, at least for me, Devin, when I realized that the wife uh, recognized that that wasn't her husband was actually the over the shoulder shot where um, she's in focus and she's just looking at his back kind of. And it just, she did a really good job of like her facial expressions really seemed to indicate like, oh yeah, this is not my this isn't who I, this isn't my husband. This is someone else. Yeah. Um, I think that's the same moment I'm talking about where, yeah, she's just kind of looking at him. Yeah. Okay. And then the second thing that um, I was really interested in was when, when Adam first called Anthony and there was that whole, like he spoke to his wife first and then called back and the wife was freaking out whether or not it was like a, another woman that he was speaking to Basically, after he meet, she meets Adam at the at the college. She comes back and is crying and tells Anthony something along the line like, "It's happening. Like you you know what it is, and it's happening." Maybe I'm not remembering that correctly, but that was really interesting to me. Yeah, she she says like uh, he says like I don't know what's what's going on, and she says I think you do. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. And uh, yeah, there is sort of recognition in Anthony that, that Adam does not have that like Anthony seems to to know the secret, the thing that is happening um, even before the audience or, or anyone else in the movie does. I guess Adam yeah, the wife knows. So the wife definitely yeah. even without me picking like missing some of those overt like hints they were dropping. I got the just innate sense that she knew what the score was there. Which yeah, is interesting. Well, Go, go ahead, finish. It was just interesting because, she, I mean, she's the one who turned into a spider at the end, you know? So, mm. I don't know. Yes. Well, she she seems to know about some previous infidelity with Anthony, right? That's true, based on their previous um, conversation, yeah. yeah. I actually have a clip of that, too. Maybe we'll just play that real quick, so put a pin on that real quick. Um, he gaslights her about it, which just drives me nuts. I've been in positions more than my share of times where someone's tried to gaslight me and it just drives me crazy. So here we go. Anthony. Uh, you want to get something to eat? Who was on the phone? 
Helen, the same guy who called before, same guy. That's who's on the phone. I told you that. Why, why would I sell you any differently? Are you lying to me? I... Uh... You're lying to me. You're acting crazy. I'm not crazy. Who was on the phone? I told you it was a man who was on the phone. You're crazy. What's your problem? Yeah, anyway, he's, he's doing he's doing such a bad job of telling the truth there. He sounds so much like he's lying. Yeah, right. He probably is on some level. I mean, if, especially with the read that I'm kind of getting from it now, he probably I mean, he couldn't possibly have been on the phone with himself if he's one guy. So he probably was on the phone with somebody. <laughs> right. But the only the only other thing I wanted to point out is that Adam knows that he has talked to Anthony's wife specifically before he knows that Anthony has a wife. Like that, he just, he knows. He know, So I, yeah, I think that's just another thing that is supposed to point us to this character being one person. Yeah, I really like that read. It works so well, just in retrospect. And I'll have to, on second watching, I'm going to probably... I knew going into it that it was going to be one of those where I'll have to watch it again because I didn't really understand what was going on. I marked that it was like 25 minutes before I kind of got that there was this other guy that was an actor that he just happened to look like. I was like, was that him in an old movie and he's hiding that he used to act? And that's why he doesn't go to movies or whatever. Like that's that's where I was headed with that. But uh, so it took a while to like kick in for me on that in that sense. So it was like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna definitely like learn something that's gonna make me want to watch this again. Uh, go yeah. ahead, uh, Jim, real quick, and then we'll. Uh, wrap oh, it up. I was just gonna, I was just gonna add more towards it being one person and the okay, motor, cool. motorcycle driving um uh jake gyllenhaal is the the real character because when he was in the college professor role and class ended a couple of times like no students were staring at their phone as they're walking out the class no students are lining up to ask him questions and you really have an important question but you got 10 minutes to get to that next class so there's no way you're going to go through that line there was none of that so it was more surreal so yeah it had to be yeah, one character his to that point too, his his chalkboard I noticed a couple of times is like utter nonsense. Yeah, his chalkboard is just total bullshit. It's just nothing. Yep. it's just like chaos and order written a bunch of times. It looks like a mad. Yeah, movie. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah All right. It's, it's, cool. Cool. Yeah, lots of surreal, yeah. lots of breadcrumbs there to go back and look for on the second viewing. Yeah, I thought it was just like bad set design, but now no, it does seem deliberate now. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah. So. Um, very cool movie, and I got a lot out of our conversation here. So, uh, but uh, while we assign grades, we'll take a uh, short commercial break. And now a word from our sponsors. Are you the victim of being the thrall of a pregnant tarantula? Is the topless upside-down spider-faced woman you pass in the hall impervious to your male gaze? Existential dread causing cobwebs in your head? If you're ready to show those spiders who the real predator is, please call us at Doppelganger Inc. Pest Control. Our program of pest control focuses on re-education, empowering you to take responsibility for your own actions so that you stop being a pest to the people around you. How is this Sisyphean task possible? It's probably not, because trying to get you to empathize with other people is simply too much to ask. 
call us at 555-DOPPELGANGER to book. That's 555-375-4647. Use code word BOBBIT at checkout to get half off. Doppelganger Inc. Pest Control. Be better, guy. The spider in your mind is worse than the spider hanging just above your head that's about to drop in your face. No, wait, that is the spider in your mind. What a twist. Yay. Amazing. Yes. Good. I'm really good at this, man. <laughs> yeah. For a second, when uh, the, uh, now a word from our sponsors, I thought for a second that was your voice with like a voice changer on it to make it sound tinny. And I was like, wow, he does a really good like announcer voice. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, the... I forget his name, but he is the guy. Uh, I should know his name. The as, voice. Yeah, he is that guy. Um, I'll have to look up his name and, and, and plug him in some other, uh, some other show. <laughs> but uh, now it's time to uh, do our final grades. So final grade time. Uh, I'm going to give this movie a solid A. Um, I really enjoyed it. I'm definitely going to watch it again. It was fun talking about. Uh, it was interesting to watch. And that's rare for a movie that's uh, basically an experimental film. Um, I know that it was sort of uh, a suspense movie and an art house flick, but um, rarely do they come together in, in such an effective way. So a solid A student uh, for me. Kat, what did you think? Uh, I'm gonna have to give it an A as well. I don't, I can't, there's just nothing I can think of that's really a big drawback of this movie that can give it any, any less than an A. So I think it yeah. did, it did really well for what it tried to do. So I totally agree. Yeah. Villano Villanova. I'm never gonna get that right out of the gates. Uh, if that was his, indeed his first feature, uh, well done. I think, I think it's Villanue. He's French. Is it Villanue? Okay. I think it's villain. I mean, who knows? French, the French this week I didn't like look it up. So many letters into their word. Yeah. It's like you don't say those, but there's hella letters there. Maybe I've just like read it before in the past. I thought I had heard it pronounced that way, but um, it's possible I was just uh, that was the voice in my mind, and I was just reading it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think Devin, it's, I think oh, it's yeah. Denis Denis Villeneuve. I think Denis Villeneuve. Okay, you heard it here. Well, you probably have heard it before because he's very famous. But I heard it here first, folks. I heard it here first. <laughs> Denis Villeneuve. Okay. And Devin, uh, where did you land on this one? Uh, so yeah, I'm going to continue my streak of being uh, hypercritical. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that this movie was designed less to be watched and, and watched and enjoyed and more to be discussed and like thought about. I think it was a film designed to be discussed almost. Um, and I think that when you have a group of very smart people like you guys with very analytical brains, it creates a very good discussion. I think a lot of people would watch this movie and be like, what the fuck did I just watch and get, sure. and get nothing from it. So as a populist, I have to give it, I'm going to give it a B. That's all. I'm a not going to go too low. B. I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A populist B. <laughs> yeah. An art house the, A. for the layman. An art house A, a populist B. Okay. Yeah. Sure. And, uh, Pepe, where, where do you land? Yeah, I'm going to give it an A if that's our highest rating, I think. Um, you can give it an A+. Plus. All right, I'll uh, give it an A+. Plus. Actually, we're, oh, we're using oh, a college no, grading system, so there isn't an A-plus option. Oh, I thought we were a high school grading sorry. system. Okay, so yeah, an A is no, no, the, A's the uh, highest grade then. Okay. Yeah, like I said, this movie, I think, The Lighthouse gives you a lot to chew on, but unlike 
the lighthouse, I think this movie comes together in a way that the lighthouse doesn't after you look into it. And I think it's got a lot going on. Um, I enjoy watching this movie. It, I, I, yeah, I, it, the, the pleasure in this movie is not only in talking about it to me. I really like watching it. Um, so yeah, I think I'm going to give it an A. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, gentlemen, Jim Scott, you get the final word and the final grade to assign. Um, so unfortunately I'm going to give this movie a C. Um, okay. and I think there was a, it, it, it was a great movie in a lot of regards. Uh, the director is known, the actor, you know, the main actor, Jake Gyllenhaal is known. There was a lot of purposeful, but I don't feel like, I, I mean, definitely room for conversation, like Devin said, but it wasn't enjoyable to me um some of the concepts were interesting but it just wasn't enjoyable even movies that are not to be enjoyed like we've had a few of those already but boy says have we. something you, you know but it says something and even though you don't enjoy it you get the message i didn't get the message instead i'm still kind of in uh fits and spurts even after this discussion so i it wouldn't be something that I would recommend to a whole lot of people. So I'd stay with the C. Okay. So uh, where, where does that leave us with our uh, final uh, GPA tally, Devin? That drops it down to a B plus 3.4, making it an exact tie with the lighthouse. <laughs> oh, weird. So, uh, yeah, Pepe's two for two, 3.4, B plus. And the clear front runner for series two He's here. a B plus student. There's no other <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. We started. Um, we started both both seasons just at the the top, and we're just worked <laughs> yeah, our way down. Yeah. Well, you got to kick things off right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this student uh, did very well in all the courses. It just couldn't pull that good grade in gym class. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh shit! Oh yeah, man. Nailed right, it. right. Got him. Yeah. Got him. <laughs> that deserves a rim shot. That was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, why don't we uh, roll for next episode? Uh, if we're going with uh, last time's rules to keep it simple, I believe Pepe is up to roll to see what All we right. have for yeah. the next one. And let me bring up submissions. I have it on. Uh, I finally got a quick link to it. Okay. What am I we're... rolling? So it would be a D4, right? Yep. Yeah, let me get the... Uh... There we go. Okay, let me give you a drum roll. Okay. I got a four. Four it is. Hey, not a one for once. I got so many ones. We yeah. are watching a movie called 10 Cloverfield Lane. It came out in 2016 and it is playing on Pluto TV uh, under the on demand section of Pluto. Um, and uh, yeah, Pluto's great if you don't have it already. Also, I would like to say that uh, I found Canopy to be pretty cool, um, but uh, some of us had mixed results. Uh, getting get that out so I lit right uh and getting on to canopy um but if you uh, for a tip and anyone who wants to get in if you go to their site and during the sign up you can use your local library and typically it should be like an online process for me I just signed up for a library card online it has all the links set up for you so you can get in pretty quick and then Pluto's free uh, it has like commercials but uh you can just basically watch TV or, uh, in this case, this film that we'll be watching. I also 
also wanted mm-hmm. to add real quick that I watch Enemy on Showtime. So for any viewers or listeners out there, if you want to watch Enemy, you can also watch it on Showtime if you have access to that. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, it's available as a rental, too, if you want to go that direction. I think that about wraps things up. Oh, no, wait. Uh, someone's Who, at my door. Is that? Is someone at the door? Yeah, weird. I, I have the uh, sign on that we're recording. I don't know who would dare bother us. Keep them out. They're a doppelganger. I know it. Just one more thing. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's Peter Falk's doppelganger, uh, Lieutenant Columbo. <laughs> Uh, with just one more thing, and uh, yeah, we'll quickly go around and share uh, just one more thing that happened uh, possibly outside of the realm of movies and the podcast. And so mine isn't really outside the realm of the uh, outside the realm of movies, though. Um, I wanted to bring up the uh, horror podcast that Jim mentioned last week and say that I followed up and listened to an episode and found it really helpful. And so thank you, Jim, for that. And, and what was it called again? Horror. Uh, faculty of horror. Faculty of horror. Is that because they mm-hmm. are like professors and faculty members or something? Because they seem to really know their stuff. Um, I would assume. I I think at least one of them, uh, if not both, is uh, a college professor. Although even with that, I could be wrong. But they're very well versed in theories. They sure and, are. Uh, they bring a lot of uh, uh, meat and uh, evidence. They do meat to the discussion. For sure. And in the episode, I listened to uh, Cursing, which was like, okay, so I guess uh, Apple's not going to just totally kick us off if uh, the curse word comes up now and then. So that was kind of heartening as well. <laughs> very, very good. Very sure. and I funny, think too. I think they're Canadian as well. So More Canadians in our midst. Like Canadian midst whiskey. Um, <laughs> for those that <laughs> know what I'm referencing there. Okay, Kat, uh, what do you have for us this week on Just One More Thing? Um, This is, again, going to be a news update, so I apologize, but I can't help it. Um, But news update that Gavin Newsom declared Sonoma County and Mendocino County as um, a state of emergency for drought. Drought emergency? I'm not saying this right. Oh, yeah. um, State of emergency for drought. Um. Yes. So uh, anyone listening, if you are in either of those counties, uh, just make sure to conserve water extra hard this year. Um, I'm losing my words. I don't know. It's been a long, long week with finals. Um, but uh, hang also, in there. You're doing and- fine. Also, a little bit of a mini rant, but if just as much as people don't want to, for those people who don't want to get vaccinated, um, just know that your right to not get vaccinated also gives businesses and events the right to deny you from entrance. So um, if you want to have that ability, that freedom, just know it comes with that consequence. So yeah, that's it for my just one Absolutely. Thing. And just to add to that one little thing, uh, one more thing here, uh, a little blurb about freedom. Uh, your freedom to swing around your fist in the air ends at the tip of my nose. Uh, so just That's kind right. of digest that. It's not, it doesn't mean you get to do anything. That's not what it means. So uh, snap out of it. Uh, yeah. And uh, I did not know about the uh, drought thing. So thank you for that update. Um, but yeah, I, I grew up here and then I moved up to Washington State for a few years. 
like two years ago and then I just moved back and boy, do I miss the rain at this point. It's like, we got one kind of little drizzle a couple of nights and that was it. So I'm not surprised. So Devin, what have you got for us this week on just one more thing? Uh, my one more thing is a video game back, back to the world of gaming. Um, All right. Resident evil eight just came out. Resident evil village. Um, what? It is absolutely excellent. Yeah. I've already killed the big lady. Sorry. Spoiler. What? Sorry. The big lady dies. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I thought you just um, let her so step big, on big you. Big fans of the big lady. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I haven't quite beaten it yet. It's a surprisingly long game um, and a very good, incredible visuals. It's in the the RE engine that they've crafted, which uh, looks amazing. It's one of the best like modern game engines um, out there. And uh, yeah, th this is an absolutely excellent addition to the series um once again i would recommend it for non-horror fans i honestly think while there are some pretty scary moments that it uh its story and it's the actual the, the gameplay the mechanics are so fun that anyone would find uh something to enjoy yeah resident evil village i'll add that to my endless list you were on a resident evil kick hell yeah it's awesome to see <laughs> were you playing that in vr or is that on the ps5 uh, no, that's on the PS5. I don't think Resident Evil Village is in VR yet. I believe with 7, it was added to VR later. Um, it was something available later, but I think it's exclusive to PlayStation VR, which I do not have access to. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh, and Pepe, what have you got for us this week? Yeah, I'm going to do a video game too. So recently I um, picked up a game that um, I hadn't played in a while, but I had put like 40 out like 40 hours into it um a game called sundered um it preempted cuphead by a couple of months and in, insofar as it being a sort of that hand-drawn art style so it looks it looks like the old um disney movies like you know like bambi and snow white and stuff um that's sort of the look it doesn't have the tone of that at all it's, it's a it's sort of like a cosmic horror game um, to give you all the jargon to explain to you what it is, it is a Metroidvania rogue light exploration based game. <laughs> um, so if that is the kind of thing you like and you want to see some um, really cool visuals, the game looks beautiful. It handles incredibly. So there's just I get the I get the sense that a fair amount of people know about it, but that it never really got the fanfare that a game like Cuphead did, but I mean, Cuphead's a great game, but Sundered is awesome as well. And Sundered. Yeah, Sundered. And like I said, I sunk 40 hours into it. I, that was, a, um, I hundred percented it and that, and I could go through and play the sort of other half of the game. So I could presumably put another 40 hours into it and wow. see new stuff. But, uh, all I want to know is, is it impossible to win like Cuphead was? <laughs> no, cause Cause I yikes. did, I won. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Cuphead was Cuphead Yikes. was hard. I had to man, give up fun. the Cuphead after a while. It's like, no, nah, I'm not. I'm just not going to be perfect. So therefore, I yeah. can't continue on. Yeah. I uh, mean, I think at this point you could pick up this game for like ten or twelve bucks. So yeah. Cool. Cool. Sundered. Cool. Uh, like, I, I just I actually just bought it on Steam. It's five dollars on sale. It won't be when listeners are listening to this, but uh, while we're recording, it's five dollars. Oh man! So I just picked Go it up. get Sundered. Okay. I'll check it out. Hop in your time machines. Uh, okay, yeah. gentlemen, Jim Scott, you got our final word and uh, on just one more thing. What have you got for us? So, yeah, the just one more thing I have uh, for this week is a booktuber I've been listening to 
uh, probably for about a year now called uh, Daniel Green. And specifically, he's a booktuber on mostly fantasy. Um, for the fantasy enthusiasts out there, most fantasy novels are part of some type of very long series or the very least a trilogy. So he does a lot of book reviews. Um, he He's very... Um, He's got a high work ethic. He just constantly churns out videos and reads a lot. I don't see how he finds the time, especially when he was working. Um, now he's devoted all his time to um, the platform. But he also does fantasy news, I think like once a week, you know, the upcoming different things that are going on. And then last, but definitely not least, he also does reviews on science fiction books as well, as well as like video games and things of that um, aspect. So. Definitely check him out. He's got a large following, but he's good at what he does. So, cool. And uh, what's his channel called again? Uh, it's called just called Daniel Green. It's a, Daniel a YouTube Green. channel. Mm -hmm. Just how it just how it sounds. Just how you'd spell it with Crayola. No, uh, there's, a, there's an e on the end. Yep. Okay. There's an e at the end. All right. We'll call it Canadian Green, just because we've been talking about Canada. Hmm. Okay. I think I'll miss you most of all. And uh, with that, it is time for our co-host send-offs. So, uh, Kat? I'm Catherine Ramirez. It's been real. Catch me on Instagram at Kat Ramirez with two Cs. See y'all next time. So it's Kat Ramirez with two Cs. Cs. Z's. Okay, I was right the first time. Okay, two two Z's as our two Z's. Canadian brothers. There we go. Say. Okay, perfect. Want to make sure people can find you. And Devin, award winner. I'm Devin. Yeah, I'm Devin Schwartz. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Devin Schwartz One. Uh, and game over, man. Game over. And Pepe. I'm sorry, you have to follow that up again. I know. Um, yeah, my name is James. Uh, don't use social media. It's bad for you. <laughs> Uh, that's it. <laughs> yeah. And Jim Scott, do you have a similar sentiment? Uh, a, a similar sentiment along certain regards. Uh, definitely social media forthcoming. And just a quick explanation. I use a lot of social media for um, uh, career pathway, you know, just uh, keeping sure. it inclusive to that. But uh, yeah, I'm Jim Scott and farewell and take care appreciate your your support your fans so yeah thank you thank you for that and so uh this has been i'll look at yours if you look at mine and now that you've looked at ours we hope to look at yours soon if you enjoy the show be sure to like comment subscribe ring the bell give us a five-star review dot your i's cross your t's sign here initial here and don't forget to tell your friends Remember to watch 10 Cloverfield Lane came out in 2016 on Pluto TV On Demand. Until next time, lookers, keep on looking. Thank <laughs> you.